0: Typically here at Calvary if, if you're new to Calvary we'll take a book of the Bible and we 'll teach through a book chapter by chapter and verse by verse and so uh, we just finished first and second Corinthians and we wanted to take a few weeks and talk about what we commonly refer to as as spiritual warfare we're calling this the unseen war and uh, we're only going to take a few weeks to talk about this and, and the reason being this this subject is so big that that people write books about about this subject and, and great books a few weeks ago as we began this I shared with you that my favorite all-time book as it relates to spiritual warfare is called The Invisible War by Chip Ingram. If you ever read one book on spiritual warfare, let it be this one. It's it's easy to read, it's very articulate, and uh, just just a great, great book. And so um, we, we began a few weeks ago, and we began in Ephesians chapter 6. And you'll remember that, that uh, in verse 11, when, when we began, I'll read verse 10, it says, "'Finally be strong in the Lord.'" And then the strength of his might. And then it says put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And we talked about the schemes of the devil. And uh, when we talked about that, one of the points that we had to make was that Satan is real. The Bible teaches that Satan is, is a very real entity. It's 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 a it's a living personality. And the reason we said that is that survey after survey shows that over sixty percent of people who profess to be Christians believe that Satan is just simply a metaphor for evil. And, uh, and when we talked about his schemes, we talked about one of his great schemes is to deceive believers into thinking that he's not real, uh, because if you don't believe he He's real, you'll never deal with Him or those entities that are surrounded with Him. And then the next week we talked about what we call the sword of the Spirit. And in verse 17, I'll I'll read verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And one of the things that I said in in that teaching was that that was the single most important teaching that I could ever give you. And the reason for that is everything that you and I can know about spiritual warfare, everything that you and I can know about God, it it all comes from what God has revealed, and that's the Word of God. Everything that we hold to points back to the word of god and so so that's, that's why, uh, that 's why that was so important in our session a couple of weeks ago we began to talk about how Jesus, when He came to the earth, He emptied Himself. And uh, if you're a Christian, you understand that Jesus is fully God and He's fully man. But when He came to the earth, He had to empty Himself of the power that comes with being with being God. And so everything that He did on our behalf and all of the miracles, He had to do as a man. So He didn't uh, come here and in His own power uh, um, uh, do all of those miracles. And so we, we looked at, there was something in Jesus' life that He he had to do in order to have and maintain that incredible power. So we looked at a couple of verses very quickly just to uh, refresh our, our memory. In Mark one thirty-five, you remember we walked through early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went to a secluded place and was praying there. He'd get up early in the morning and he'd pray. Then another verse that we saw, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and to pray. And uh, we underline that word often. He just felt like in order for him to do what he needed to do, he needed to often get away to pray. And then uh, on the night that he was betrayed, it says he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And he began to pray there. And his disciples once again were, were listening. He tells them, Make sure that you're praying. Of course, they were sleeping. But the, the point that we made is this, as was his custom when they came to arrest Jesus, they knew exactly where he would be. He's, he's where he always is. He's in the place of prayer in a certain place. And, uh, and so we looked at that. Now, today, I want to go just a little bit further as we talk about prayer. And uh, as we do this, let, let me say, <laughs> let me, uh, how do I say this? Maybe you're like me. I grew up in the church and um, and I went to a wonderful student ministry, youth group we used to call it back then. And every Friday night, our youth group would get together and we called it sharing. It was back in the 70s when the kind of the Jesus movement and all that. So we had cool names like that. And we'd all get there, 40, 50 of us. And we'd sit in a circle and everybody had guitars and we'd play and, and uh, somebody would share and uh, we'd have the message. And then it would come time to, at the end, they'd say, now, now we're going to go around the room and uh, we're going to pray. And there were some people who were really into that. But I was not really into that because, uh, you know, you know oh, can't somebody just close in prayer so we can kind of go on? Do we have to go through this whole thing, you know, where, where they just continue to do that? And um, so for me, for me growing up, prayer was always something that, you know, you, you prayed at a meal, you prayed before bed, but, but you really didn't take time out to really pray. And, uh, and, and I never really saw the value of it. It wasn't until I was about 25 years old. I was in school full-time. I'm working full-time. And there's two men in our church. And it was in this time that God was doing some very significant things in my life. I'm really growing in Him. I'm meditating on Scripture, memorizing, and and, uh, walking with the Lord. And two guys in our church come up to me, and they say, Dan, do you have a a consistent prayer time, prayer life? And I said, well, you know, I read the Bible every single day. I'm, I'm, I'm in that. And they said, yeah, but is there a time that you pray and uh, I said, Well, uh, not really. And so they said, Well, here's what we want to do. Would you meet with us three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, before you go to work? We're going to meet at the church and we're going to pray for an hour and uh, let's just see what God does. And uh, so I said I would do that because, you know, I didn't want to sound unspiritual or nothing. So I said, Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. Well, it was the two guys' names were George Banschbach and, and uh, Chuck Bowie. And so for the next nine months, I would go to the church Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we would sit down, and for the first time in my life, I saw somebody passionately, uh, very strongly pray. And when they prayed, they prayed. And we prayed for an hour. But it was in that time that I began to see for the first time God began to do things in our lives that could only be described as God. They, They weren't things that we manufactured. And so we prayed that way for nine months, and and, uh, it came to the end of that season, and and, uh, all of our lives, within a two-week period, we all moved to separate parts of the country. And uh, they got transferred, they moved, and so it was something unique that God was doing in in all of our lives, but it was in that time that I I learned that there really is something to prayer. Well, then I went to seminary. Uh, My my part of moving away was going to seminary, and and, uh, when I went to seminary, I went there to study the Word and and, uh, really grow and be encouraged in my faith. I was there for a very short period of time when I realized that many of my professors were not even Christians. They believed in totally different things. And uh, and I had some great professors too. But it was in that time that I realized that I needed to have that time alone in prayer on a daily basis if I was going to make it. So it was great when I prayed with the guys, but, but that taught me that later on, in order to be strong to continue on, I would need to do that on my own. So I wanted to take this week And talk a little bit about prayer, but then next week I want to drill down just a little bit further. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, but what I've done as we've been traveling through Ephesians 6, um, I've put the verses that we want to look at today on our outline so that we're all reading from the same same version, just so we're using the same wording, because the wording will be a little bit different in every version. So I put that there on your outline, and uh, so I'll read it, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 17. I want you to underline the word all every time we come to it, and we'll we'll talk about that for a moment. And it says in verse 17, we saw it says, "'Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints.'" And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. And so uh, we we underline that word all, and uh, the first time the, the word all there is a little bit different uh, in each time that it's used there. And, and there, but the first time that we see that when it talks about all prayer, the word can actually be translated as all kinds of prayer. So this is an all-encompassing kind of prayer at all different times is the idea. So this is to be something that's to be greatly part of our lives. But then I also wanted you to notice that it talks about uh, where it says the sword of the Spirit, the first line, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition praying. And uh, we read that, and for most of you in your Bibles, and certainly there on the outline, there's periods and there's commas and things like that. In the Greek language there are no periods, there's no commas, there's no punctuation. So those are put in in the translation so that it makes most sense to us. But when it talks about the sword of the Spirit and it says with all prayer, the idea is it's in that prayer that we are using the sword of the Spirit. The two two go together. And then I also wanted to just highlight at the end of that, Paul says pray for me uh, that utterance may be given to me. Paul believed that if God's people would pray for him, that he would receive boldness and the ability to speak and that lives would be changed. And that's all directly related to, to God's people praying. And, uh, so so far so good? So what I want to say today is that for, for many of us, maybe you're like me growing up, prayer is the missing ingredient in, in our spiritual walk. And in many places, in many cases, prayer is the missing ingredient in, in many, many churches. And, uh, I, I w- and and the reason that it is, and we'll talk about that, is because real change comes through real prayer. And uh, although I won't go into a lot of details, I will tell you that I've seen God move miraculously in deliverance and freedom and, and a number of different things through, through, some, uh, through a time of prayer in my life. God's done some great things. So uh, what I would want to say there then, and I want you to write this down, the the point of all that where you use God's weapon, the sword of the Spirit, that means that prayer is the battlefield. Prayer is the battlefield. So when you think of prayer as the battlefield, um, I shared the statistic that 60% of all those who have professed to believe that, that as being Christians don't believe that Satan is any more than a metaphor. Satan's first scheme is to make you believe that he's not real. And uh, then we talked at that time when we talked about Satan, the next thing that he wants to do, he'll do whatever he can to keep you as ineffective as possible. But let me tell you this, he will never fight you more than it comes to prayer. He will do anything to keep you as a believer away from actually praying. And the reason that he does that is he realizes that's where the real change comes from. And so uh, don't believe that lie. So He'll say it doesn't matter, you know, so why do I do this? And uh, so let's, let's take that verse, that passage that we just looked at, and I'm going to break it down into its smaller parts and we'll talk about it. First of all, write, write this down. So, based on what Paul says there, whatever I do, I need to pray at all times. I need to pray at all times. Pretty much a given. And uh, there he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. This, this is something that Paul holds as, as uh, very, very important. If you've been around the Bible for any length of time, you'll remember some of those great stories in Jesus' ministry. One of my favorites, they're they're all our favorites, aren't they? But but, uh, one of them that stands out is in Mark chapter 9. And in Mark chapter 9, there's the story of Jesus comes down from a time of prayer, and he comes down and the disciples are there. And there's a father there, and he brings his boy. And his boy is possessed, in this case, it's by a demon. And so the father says to to Jesus, says, "I came to your disciples. They can't do anything. And here's what happens to my boy. The spirit throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth. He he can't speak. And uh, you know, it's it's essentially trying to kill him. We've done everything that we know to do. Nothing is working. If you can help us, that that would be great. Now, uh, what I would want to highlight in that, and uh, if you haven't heard that story, it's in Mark chapter nine. You can read it later. But uh, if the, the source if the source is spiritual, then all the medication in the world, all the counseling in the world isn't going to do a bit of difference because the, the source, the spiritual side needs to be dealt with. And in this particular case, the source was spiritual. So as uh, you might guess, Jesus commands the spirit to come out, boys okay, father and son go home, lives are changed. Later on, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? Well, there on your outline in Mark 9.29, Jesus responds and he said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, if you have the NIV translation or some other translations other than the King James, it will say nothing other than prayer, prayer, and it leaves off the end fasting. Now, I, I like the manuscript of the King James, so I, I, I took it from that, that uh, verse. But Jesus tells us here, the problem was spiritual the manifestation was in the physical, the material realm, and the solution was prayer. The solution was prayer. And don't ever miss the significance of that. Many times what we are experiencing, the physical or the material, many times, not all the time, uh, are, the source comes from a spiritual, the source is spiritual, and the, the solution is prayer. So far so good? Good. Another time there was a church service going on and uh, in, in uh, Acts chapter four, verse 31, here's a, here's a good one. It says, uh, when they had prayed, the place, and, and just highlight when they had prayed, the place that they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Not a bad church service. <laughs> I'd be happy with a little, little, a little of that. And, and, and so here, here's what I would want to say about that. They prayed and everyone there, because they prayed, experienced the Holy Spirit in a very tangible way, in a way that, that, that everybody would say it had to be the Lord. It's nothing that we manufactured. That was the Lord. That was the Lord. Another time uh, in, in result of prayer, and I could go on and on and on, in Acts chapter 10 it says that Peter went up, to the, up to, on the housetop to, about the sixth hour to pray. And if if you know that that story, it's in that time that Peter sees a sheet coming down in a vision, and uh, the vision says, you know, God says, take and eat and whatever you want. And uh, anyways, you you can read that later on. But here's what I want to say. It was in a time of prayer that God spoke to Peter in a life-altering way. Ministry altering way that literally changed the course of his life and his ministry. And you and I today, 2,000 years ago, are feeling the effects or living the effects of what came out of that prayer time on that morning, as, as uh, God or in that afternoon, as God gave Peter a brand new vision for what he was to do. And it all came from that, that time of prayer. But then I also uh, want to just highlight something. Uh, we, you saw in that, that little uh, sliver there, prayer and petition, the word petition. And uh, the word petition there, in some of your Bibles, and why we're using the same, same translation, would say supplication, or they might say it a little bit different. But a, a petition uh, is a prayer, it's a request, it's, it's supplication. A petition is, and I want you to write this down, it's a specific request. A specific request, and so part of prayer is is requesting requesting God to do something, and uh, some of your translations as you read that it uses the word supplication. Supplication is a very strong asking; it borders on begging. You know, it's it's this very very intense intense praying, and uh, so so Paul says, "I I want you to to pray and with petition, you know, at at all times, and so." There, there's a couple of things in that that I would want to say, first of all, Paul is writing to a church, not an individual, so when he says prayer or that petition, he could be saying to the church, "I want you to corporately petition petition and um, and and watch what God does. We've done that a couple of times here at calvary there There have been several times, and I won't tell you the whole story because I get emotional but but uh, there have been times where a child was in desperate danger. And uh, we as a church found out about it. And immediately the entire church responded with very intense praying. And what was a very disastrous decision very quickly turned into nothing at all. You know, coming back to life or, or going through a, a terrible ordeal. And that was a, a time of corporate petition where we all prayed, and there have been several of those through the years. And, and, and other things, but those are the three that, that pop into my mind. There is the petition where we petition as individuals, where we take our requests. And everybody here, everybody that we know, has certain situations in our lives that, that are weighing us down. No matter how good our life is, there's that one area, there's those two areas that if God would change this situation, if you work in this situation, our entire life would be completely different. Okay, am I alone in this? Every one of us, every one of us. So Paul says that's all prayer and petition. Sometimes it's corporately and uh, sometimes it's individually. Sometimes God doesn't change the bad situation, but what God does, because there's something that He's doing, He comes alongside of us as we petition, and, and He gives us the peace to walk through a very difficult situation. And we've all met people that we would say, "I have no idea how you are walking through this. I would be coming apart." And they "I don't know. It's 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 crazy, but I have this this deep." Peace, that God's with me and that He's doing something. Well that is as, as a result of that petition. So, uh, so, so there, there are those individual requests, those corporate requests, and, and then sometimes God's just carrying us through something. Now as we pray in this Paul also says in the next little sliver of the verse there, he says petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. All times in the Spirit. The, the word in there, and you might want to just underline it. I should have put it on your outline, but you can translate that word in several different ways. Uh, you can translate it. One way that you can translate it is is uh, with. with. As a matter of fact, there uh, I think it's the New Living Translation uh, translates that word with the Holy Spirit. It'll say with the wishes of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to pray in or with the Holy Spirit? Um. At the very least, and I think that, it, that it, it can be a lot more than this, so I'll just take the very, very least. What it means is to uh, say this, write this, uh, it means to pray in harmony with God's Spirit. Pray in harmony with God's Spirit, where we are praying with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit. And and uh, you, you you see this throughout the, the Bible, and hopefully I can unpack this uh, when we, we talk about walking with God, Amos is he speaking to the people and he's referring to their relationship with God. One of the things that he says there in your outline, he says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And, and the idea there is that we might be God's people, but we don't always walk in agreement with God. And, and so the way that I walk with God is I walk in agreement with God. And the way that I agree with God is I say the same thing that God is saying. So if I'm facing a situation, the way that I would agree with God is I would find out what God is saying about my situation and I would agree with Him and I would say what God says. And as I pray what God is saying about my situation, I'm agreeing with Him. And that would be praying with the Spirit. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, One of the great promises is in 1 John. And John says it like this. He says, And this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked from Him. So the idea is that I need to know that something is in harmony with what God wants to do. Because he's not going to give me something that's not in harmony with what it is that he wants to do. So how do I, how do I, how do I find out what's in harmony? Uh, first of all, God, God doesn't answer prayers that are not in harmony with what he wants to do, not because he's mad at us, but he wants to protect us. I have a, a friend, uh, years ago we worked at Calvary Fort Lauderdale and he came from a Catholic background and uh, there was a time where he was a practicing Catholic but he was also a burglar and so one day, and he tells, it's a great, it's a great story, it's a great story, it's a great testimony. He realized where he really was spiritually, where he, was in, he had broken into the Catholic church and he had stolen all of their sound equipment and he's walking down the aisle to leave the church and he sees the crucifix and he stops and he goes, with, does the cross and it keeps going. It's like, God help me to do what I'm doing here, and he realized that this God might not be uh, actually answering that prayer. <laughs> so, anyways, we all start where we start. But, uh, but I always thought that was funny that he did the sign of the cross as he was ripping off the, the Catholic Church, stealing their their equipment. He doesn't do that anymore, by the way. There's a, the story ends very very differently. So, so what what do I? Uh, how do I know? Well, I ask, what does God say? about my situation. So one of the points you'll always hear me uh, give is simply this, pray the promise and not the problem. There is a verse Peter gives us in in, uh, his little letter, uh, 2 Peter, there in your outline it says, and I want you to underline a couple of things in here as we, we travel through, seeing that His divine power, not ours but His, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge, the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence for and I want you to underline this, for by these, now the these here are His divine power and uh, His true knowledge, uh, our true knowledge of Him. He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them, now very very boldly, them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now here's what he's saying: You and I, as believers, uh, the way that we become partakers of the divine nature is that we take the promises that God has given to us, and uh, it's His power, uh, the true knowledge, and the true knowledge comes from His Word, His promises, and uh, the way that we become partakers of the divine, the, the divine nature is that we say, "Lord, I know what my situation says." We're not oblivious to that. But here's what your word says. And so right now, I'm going to trust your word even above everything that my situation says. Classic example we're all familiar with, but uh, we, we've never attached to this. They're there in the storm. Uh, they think they're going under. There's the, the apostles, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. Remember that great story? Jesus walking on the water. Jesus is God. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out. Jesus says, come. Peter focuses in on the promise, what God has said, steps out of the boat. It didn't change the situation, did it? The storm's still raging. And so Peter begins to walk, becoming partaker of the divine nature. And as long as his focus is on what the promise has said, he does fine. But as soon as he begins to focus in on the situation, what happens? He stops being a partaker of the divine nature and he begins to sink. That's why He says His precious and magnificent promises. We know what the situation is. We also know what His Word says. So we say, I'm going to believe this in the midst of the situation, and that's where you and I and Peter saw God begin to do some pretty incredible things. He walked on the water, that's pretty incredible, wouldn't you say? He became a partaker of the divine nature when he trusted God's Word over the circumstance. When he began to look at the circumstance, immediately begins to sink so that 's why we have those those precious uh promises um, so um so when we we take those promises, what we do we're saying, "God, I am praying this because you said this because you said this i 'm praying this um, I, I know my situation right now, but your promise is." that my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And if that's not happening, you need to go back to that verse and look at the verse behind it uh, before that and find out why Paul said that to that particular group of people. And if that's up and running in your life, then you have the authority to claim, my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. One of the things that I like to do is say, Lord, I have no idea how you're going to do it. I have no idea. And if you don't show up, I'm a dead man. But uh, I, I, I'm going to trust you no matter what, no matter what. And, uh, and then you go forward and you see God begin to show up because you become a partaker of the divine nature. Um, and we, as you know, we have, we have 12 kids, 11 at home. And uh, part of that journey was, we said years ago, as we, since God telling us to, to do that, it's, it's, it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of trust. You know, you just—if God doesn't show up, and you have that many kids, you know, you need them to show up. But in addition to that, uh, there there are some great promises. In Psalm 34, it says, "The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and protects them." And so I say, Lord, um, I'm asking you. I'm, trying, I'm praying this because you've said the angel of the Lord encamps around and protects them, and I pray that you protect these kids. Uh, their angels in heaven. Continually behold the face of my father who is in heaven in Matthew 18. And you know it goes on and on and on of all the ways that God says that he will protect. In Psalm 3, he says, uh, thou, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. And I say, Father, be a shield to these kids, be a shield to this family. If you don't protect us, we're not protected. So we're going forward trusting your protection. I'm praying this because you said this. And uh, so that that's how that works. So, so um, one of the things that we talk about, if I want to pray in harmony with the Spirit, I need to say about my situation what God says, and He says certain things through His promises. And again, if uh, you want to know some promises from God, we have a document. We'd be glad to email you And uh, just write promises on your connection card. Give us your email address and we'll send that out. Next verse on your outline, he says, Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. On the alert with all perseverance and petition. Once again, you have that word petition. Now that word alert I I think is is, uh, important. That word there in the original language uh, can be defined as to be sleepless or to keep awake. Others translate it just simply by saying "without sleep, without sleep." So the, it's it's a, it's not a comfortable thing. There's there's a vigilance with this prayer, and then it says with all perseverance. And I just thought we will just look at Webster for perseverance. And as as we pray, it just means continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition difficulties, failure, or opposition. If you're like me, um, I've been around the church block, but for part of my Christian experience and early on when I, when I pastored I was in what was called the Wesleyan holiness uh, tradition, which was Church of God Anderson, Church of God Cleveland, um, Methodist kind of. Kind of. And, um, and one of the sayings that they have, but they don't really talk about it anymore, but they talk about praying through. Have you ever heard the term Praying through. And that's where you decide, I'm going to pray until. I'm going to pray until, and I'm not going to give up. And that's what that perseverance is, that you stay, you say, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to, I'm going to pray because something needs to happen in the spiritual realm uh, because it's, it's affecting here in the material or the physical realm. I am convinced uh, that Paul has to say to be alert and persevere in prayer And the reason that he has to say that is because Satan will fight you more on prayer than any other thing. And uh, when you begin to pray after about three, four, five minutes, uh, he will begin to bring thoughts to your mind and you'll start thinking about anything and everything else. Okay, has this ever happened to anybody else other than me? And so, so that's why he says you have to be persevering. So Um, here's what this tells me, and this is just the reality. The reality, if you're going to have an effective prayer life, you have to understand, write this down, that prayer is hard work. Prayer is the hardest thing you will ever have to do because He will fight you at every corner. And for people who pray, it's not that they don't have something else to do. They've chosen to believe that God moves through prayer and they've decided to make it a priority. And when you pray, what that means is if you're doing that, that means that something else might not get done. And, and, and so it's the decision that this gets done. If nothing else in my life gets done, this gets done. And that's what it takes to be alert without sleep sometimes and uh, to pray with perseverance. So he tells us to pray at all times. And uh, what I've learned in my life is that if I'm going to be alert with perseverance. I'm going to have to pray without distraction. So what that means for me, and I think it means for all of us, uh, without interruptions, write this down, we're going to need to establish a consistent time and place. A consistent time and place. Whatever works for you. I've I've realized in my family that if I don't get up before everybody else gets up, I will not have um, an uninterrupted prayer life we have three four-year-olds in our house. And uh, you can hear when they get up and they start thinking of excuses to come out of their room. <laughs> Let's go tell Daddy we're up. And they come out, okay, great, go back to your room. Hey, Daddy, can we play in a room? Yes, I said that, go back to your room. And they keep coming out. So I have to get up before anybody else gets up or I realize I'm not going to have that. And so you've got to find out what, where that is for you and you have to establish that. It's got to be a firm decision that you make. Does that make sense? And then the next thing that we see, um, the next point is going to be pray strategically. And uh, Paul concludes all of this and he says, for all the saints, pray for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. And So so Paul says, so here's what I want you to do. In your praying you need to pray for others, for all the saints. And um, and then then I, I love what he says and he says and pray for me pray for me uh, we could say he's saying pray for the minister so that that Paul would say so that when I speak that when I open my mouth my open my mouth that that God begins to to use that in the lives of people and, and Paul believed that if the people prayed for him he would be effective in, in ministry, that lives would really be changed. And so he says, so please pray for me. Pray on behalf of all the saints with all petition and pray for me. But then he gets very, very specific, doesn't he? That that when I open my mouth that the utterance would be given to me. I want to say the right thing in the right way. And as you read it on, the, 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 the idea would be that that the effect would be lives would be changed. Lives would be changed. And so what Paul believes that if they do that he's going to be effective. But if they don't do that, it's going to limit his effectiveness. He's still the same guy, but if the people don't pray for that taking place, not a whole lot's going to happen. So um, I, I've, I've come to the, the, the place where, uh, and, I, and I think we all have, but if I'm going to pray strategically, and you want to write this down, I, I realize I'm going to need to write a list. I'm going to need to write a list. Now for me, that list, I'm going to talk about that list more next week. But it used to be in a journal, and uh, now it's in my iPad and it's in my in my computer. But but there are certain people in my life that are going through some some difficult times, and um, and I want to make sure that I'm praying for them. I want to make sure that the needs of my family are prayed for, the needs of this church are prayed for, and it, it's it's not a it's not a casual thing. It takes alertness and it takes perseverance, but. But that's how God moves. And I think one of the things that we see, you know the night when uh, Jesus is betrayed, one of the things that he tells Peter, he says, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. And uh, you can read that. There's a whole lot more to that conversation. And so Jesus prayed that for Peter. Did Peter blow it really big that night? That's where you say yes. You know the story, don't you? He blew it really bad. Interesting thing, interesting thing. What Jesus prayed for Peter didn't happen for Peter. But you know who it happened for? Jesus. His faith didn't fail. And so some look at that and they say it's interesting that what Jesus was praying for somebody else, his father actually did in his life because he didn't fail. I think part of the reason that God calls us to pray for others is what we want to see happen in other people's life. Many times, is something that God will ultimately begin doing in our life. So, with that, when we think of our list, now next week we're going to go a little bit further in this as we break this down and, and look at some things in a whole new way. But uh, I, there, in your outline, uh, if we were to ask a question, what are the three prayer requests, if answered, uh, would dramatically change my life? Now, you might not want to write those down because you might not want somebody to see, but but every one of us has three things that if God changed these three things, maybe it's four, maybe it's just one, if God changed this, here's what I can tell you. It's through watchful, alert, persevering prayer is where you're going to find that God moves in your life. And Satan will do anything he can. to have you involved in all types of church activity, church work, Bible studies, anything but actual prayer. But when you come to that place and you say, I'm going to step onto the battlefield with my weapon, the word of God, and I'm going to persevere, you're going to begin to see things take place in your life. And it doesn't happen in a day and it might not happen in a week, but it's when you decide I'm in this battle come what may that you begin to see things really take place. And you begin to have those great God stories that we hear about in other people's lives. Those God stories that you hear about in other people's lives, God wants to do in your life, in your life. And He wants that. With that, we're going to go ahead and and, uh, close in prayer. Did you find that interesting today? Good, good. Let's pray. Father, as we we, uh, wrap this up today, here's what we pray. Lord, maybe we're here today and we're part of that 60% of uh, people who profess to be Christians, but we've embraced that Satan is nothing more than a metaphor, and uh, we've been deceived, and we've we've bought into the wrong message. So we reject that today. You believed in him, so we believe in him. Or or maybe we're in that place where we become ineffective. We become ineffective. We we voice up a prayer here and there. It's a quick prayer, and, uh, but but our lives would not be characterized by that alert, persevering prayer on behalf of all the saints, on, on behalf of the one who speaks and, and all that goes into it. And if we were to be honest, we're nice people, but we don't really see you doing a whole lot in our lives. And so today we want to reject that mediocre uh, kind of lukewarm existence with you. And we're going to commit to stepping onto the battlefield. And we're inviting you in this relationship to lead us in prayer, to grow us in prayer, and and to show us how to pray, what to pray. And then Father, best of all, to see you show up in ways that we've never dreamed. And we want that. And I pray, Father, for this congregation that you would make us a praying congregation. And I'm so thankful for those who week in and week out pray for this ministry, pray for me, pray for our staff, and pray for the people who come to this church. I pray that only increases. And I pray, God, that you keep us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.